This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, this is Megan Rapino, and I'm Sue Bird. We've decided to turn our crazy IG live show into a podcast for your listening pleasure. Enjoy the show. A Touch More. New episodes of A Touch More drop Tuesday only on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Welcome back to another episode of the Kings Pulse Podcast. My name is Brendan Nunez, and to continue our series of getting to know the names, faces, voices behind the Sacramento Kings, we have Scott Moak, who has been the announcer for the team for quite some time now. How are you doing, Scott? I'm good. I'm uh, yeah. It makes me old. It really makes me feel old when that, when that when we start to creep to that. How long? Uh, <laughs> how long I've been blessed to do this job for sure. Yeah, I definitely did not realize how long you had been doing it. I'm sort of new to Sacramento myself, um, so a lot of these faces are new to me in general. But I didn't realize how long you'd, you'd been doing this job for. And I like to kind of start at the beginning. Were you into sports when you were little and growing up? And was it basketball specifically, possibly? Um, I was uh, I was absolutely into sports. I played, uh, you know, any anything with a ball. I was I was down for my my dad. Uh, was a football and base, high school football, high school baseball coach. He was quite a good uh, baseball player, college player. He got drafted, um, didn't end up going um, and playing professionally, but um, he was a really good baseball player. And so sports was always kind of in our in our family blood. My my mom's an amazing golfer. My grandfather's an incredible golfer. So I mean, we've we've been in and around sports for our um, for for sure for my entire life. I mean, I grew up on the on the bench at uh, John F. Kennedy High School, uh, where my dad was the coach as the bat boy, uh, for the likes of guys like Greg Vaughn and other others who went on and had an illustrious Major League Baseball career. So I was definitely always around sports. My dad then became the athletic director um, at that school. And so I was around every sport, basketball, football, baseball, you know, track. It didn't really matter. Um, and, and so I've just been, uh, you know, around it my entire life. I played baseball in high school and in college, played football in high school, um, never played hoop. Our, our, at the high school I went to here in Sacramento, um, we, we had quite a, an incredible basketball team. Many would know who are from around here that John F. Kennedy is uh, kind of was among the elite uh, back in the back in kind of the day, the late 90s. Um, and uh, and so they incredibly competitive team. I think to a person, you know, for sure this top five, the five starters on the, on our team could all dunk in high school, which was like wow. the most insane thing ever, right? 
Um, so like just showed you where kind of the, um, where, where they stack up, but, uh, always a big, uh, basketball fan and, um, and, uh, and then, you know, kind of the roads turned after college and sports became a new part of my life in a, in a totally different way. Yeah. And did you know that kind of, that's what you were looking to do or when did you start to get the idea of being able to have a, a, a full job in sports? Yeah. When, you know, when I was at Davis, um, one of my good buddies and fraternity brothers, Eric Hasseltine, he's actually the play-by-play voice for the Memphis Grizzlies. He, oh, wow. um, he knew that that's what he, that was his career path. He wanted to be, he actually wanted to be the play-by-play announcer for the Chicago Bears. That's his dream. I think today, if he got offered that job, that's what he would, he would take. Um, and, um, but he, he knew his path was to do just that, was to be a play-by-play announcer. He worked on our campus radio at Davis, KDVS 90.3. And uh, he would travel around the country with the football team, mostly, and call football games. And it was, I think, my second year there at Davis where he asked if I would want to join him, knowing that I, I wasn't playing baseball any, anymore at Davis and, um, and he knew I was a sports guy. He's like, just come, be my color analyst. You don't need to know anything. Just kind of call what you see and we'll have a good time. And so... I actually did that. I, I did that for a, uh, two seasons of UC Davis football. It was an incredible experience just on a whole bunch of levels. One of them, the travel. I mean, I, what these pro guys have to deal with um, and what they will have to deal with post-COVID, you know, in the new, in the new world um, around travel, it's, it's brutal. Like, it is insanely brutal to what it does to your body and timing and all the stuff. So, uh, I definitely got a peek into that, into that reality and, um, and got to watch Eric, who is an absolute pro, was a pro back then, um, you know, doing his craft. So that was kind of where I started. And that was probably the, my first kind of microphone time, I would say, was doing that. When I got back home after, after I graduated from Davis, my dad was the, still the athletic director at John F. Kennedy High School, and he needed an announcer for a couple of different sports. And so I started doing some of his games. I started uh, I crept into American River College and did some women's and men's basketball and football there, uh, did some Sac State stuff. So I just kind of started. It was one of those kind of one thing led to another kind of opportunities. Yeah. I didn't really say no ever. Like anytime anyone came asking if I wanted to announce a game, uh, whether it be a wiffle ball game at the park or, uh, or the Holy Bowl, Christian Brothers versus Jesuit back <laughs> in the day, I, I said yes. And so, uh, and, and it ultimately it turned out pretty good. Yeah, I would say so. And was it always just something that felt natural to you, or were there some bumps in the road at the start? Oh, there were certainly bumps. I mean, I listened. There's YouTube videos that sadly exist back when I started in 2002 and three. But that's how long I've been. I've been at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that how long people have been forced to to sadly listen to me when they come to the games. But they, um, I listen to those videos, and I'm just like. Oh, bro! Like you are not good. like you are. You need some work. Like it, I, you know, I, I felt like I was trying really hard. I didn't really know my style yet at that point. Really, for that at that, you know, kind of at that level. Yeah. Um, I had done some. I I had announced for a couple seasons the indoor soccer here in Sacramento, which was the Sacramento Knights. That was probably the biggest. I I, I did that, and I announced the Olympic trials when they came through Sacramento in 2000. Those were kind of the biggest stages I was, I was on. And, and um, I, I feel like I learned a lot from, from those, even though they were short-lived. 
Um, it definitely taught me a lot going into the Kings, but I, it was certainly a bumpy road at the beginning. Yeah, it makes sense. And, and that style that you said it took a while to find, I think a lot of people struggle with that in a bunch of different fields. When did you feel that kind of come into it in its own, and was it just natural, or you kind of searched for a niche in a way? You know, it's funny. I, I think when I just started being myself, like just, you know, almost almost announcing a game like a fan would um, and not trying to be or sound like an announcer or something. I'm not, I don't have a great, the great deep, you know, James Earl Jones-esque kind of voice that a lot of traditional public address announcers in any sport have, you know, around the country. Um, that's just not my stick. I, I yell a little bit more. I, um, you know, I, I talk to the crowd a little bit more than what yeah. normally people do. I, you know, I, I, um, I provide commentary that is pretty unusual for, you know, very at, at different points throughout the game and, and, you know, during timeouts. So I kind of, once I realized that, like, I didn't have to really conform to that traditional style and just kind of, I could just be myself and be, you know, I was a season ticket holder with, for the Kings before I was the PA announcer. I sat in section 213 row E, man. Like, and, and I can, I, I remember and still can remember the feeling of like thinking like I could probably, I could do that for sure. And I would probably do it as the way that the fan would. And so it took me a little bit of time to get there, but ultimately um, it's worked out. It's worked out pretty good. Definitely good to have that that fan perspective, obviously, being from the area, like you're saying, a season ticket holder and everything. And when did the opportunity with the Kings kind of present itself? How did that come up? I feel the, the, the longtime PA announcer, his name is Fred Anderson, and may he rest in peace. Great guy, great family um, from up in the Grass Valley, Nevada Union area. Um, you know, he was the longtime PA voice. He was the, he was the announcer when I was going to games as a 12, 14-year-old. Uh, he was the voice we, we heard. Um, and that I remember, you know, uh, that's definitely one of the voices that, um, is ingrained in my, my brain, one of the probably two. Um, and, and he, uh, he sadly was diagnosed with, uh, with cancer and passed away. I uh, passed away, I believe right around the n- kind of late nineties, 1997, 1998 period, um, where, which they then, um, they kind of, um, punted through a couple of seasons. Uh, with a couple of guys, different fill-in uh, announcers, I actually did have the chance to fill in. I filled in for a game in March against the Toronto Raptors in two, I guess that was 2000, so March something in, in the year 2000. Uh, I mean, Doug Christie played for the Raptors at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, you know, just to, in terms of dating when that was. And um, so I, I had I had made some contacts, some inroads, just very mild, though, into the Kings. And then a couple years later, it was uh, it was a couple years, maybe a year later, they had an open tryout because, you know, obviously Fred had passed and they were looking to get someone in there more in a more stable way. Um, they had an open tryout and I tried out with alongside 160 other people. Uh, we went, we went through a, a few days of, uh, of announcing video Kings video clips, uh, at a sports bar and, uh, through a microphone. It was pretty funny. And, but they made a lot of it, you know, it was a lot of fanfare and a lot of people were watching and listening. It was kind of fun. And they, they narrowed it down. Uh, I made the final four 
Um, I, I got to announce a half of a preseason game. I announced actually the, the first half of a game against the Seattle Supersonics, which there again dates, um, Mm -hmm. how long I've been doing this. They don't even exist anymore. And, uh, and, um, and then the other, the other three finalists were also, uh, they, they filled in the other remainder of the game. So, uh, they then called me back. Um, talked to a guy who I'm good friends with today named Seth Bardicke, who uh, he informed me that I did not get the job. Um, and I was crushed. I was, I was, um, I thought I did. He said, you know, you did a great job. Everybody loved you, but uh, we're just going to go a different way. And so they chose a different guy. He was an older gentleman, very kind man. He was from Napa. His name was Ira Smith. And he did the, he did the PA job for a couple of years from 2000 to 2002. Uh, right after the Ori shot is kind of the way the way I uh, I always think about it, um, and uh, and it was the summer between uh, it, before the start of the 2002-2003 season that they called back. They said they'd like me to come back in for an uh, informal tryout, and uh, and I I did that. And they said, hey, what would you think about starting the season off being our announcer? And I said, you better believe it. So it's been a yeah. been a fun road ever since. Yeah, wow, a great time to come onto the team too, right? Uh, during right. A, yeah, extremely talented team. And what sort of prep do you get before each of these games? Like, do you get? Uh, you probably don't need the same practice now, obviously. But did you get like an empty stadium to kind of just play around with the mic and hear yourself, or what prep do you get before each of these games? I mean, now you know, after just like anything else, when you're doing when you've done something for 18 years, or I don't even know, 18 days, you get you know you get used to it. You build some muscle memory. So now you know I don't quite need all to go through all the uh, settings and tinkering with audio levels and all that. I mean, when we transitioning from Sleep Train Arena to Golden One Center, we certainly took some time. You know, we would we would all get there a lot earlier and. Uh, as the building was being opened and new, we were still trying to learn it. But yeah, as you far have as soundboards in front of you, and you're doing your voice editing. No, our our audio engineer, okay. Dan Spackman, who's amazing. But we're because you know what you're hearing where you are versus what he's hearing, what with what the crowd's hearing. I mean, it's all kind of dynamic. I mean, right. it's very very dynamic. Um, I only they only trust me with a few sound effects, and I can make myself echo. I have the the horn or the whistle on a three-pointer and that might be all that that's all they trust me with i don't blame them Uh, (laughs) i wouldn't give me much more to do either uh and i can turn myself on and off i guess um but uh yeah i you know i i prep i still i get you know you have kind of it's the you have one job I, i am supposed to say the names and say the names right so if i'm doing any prep it's just making sure that i know the roster especially for the visiting team up and down that I know if there's a contest or something, uh, an important PA read, I have to drop in at some point and I need to go over it. I, I do that, but you know, I, I'm, it's been a, it's been, it's been fun to get, get really comfortable in that job. And that's a job I love. There's no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partner, bet online. NASCAR is back, and BetOnline has hundreds of other games, events, and sports you can get in on. You can still bet on simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC events 24-7, or you can participate in a $10,000 Madden Bracket Challenge, a March Madness-style NFL simulation tournament you can enter for free. 
And live right now on BetOnline's YouTube channel, you'll find an exclusive interview with ex-Chicago Bulls Ron Harper, Horace Grant, Bill Cartwright, and Craig Hodges to discuss the Michael Jordan documentary on what they're calling the final dance. Visit betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus and check out all the action. BetOnline, your online wagering solution. I'm sure you get some interaction with a lot of these players and things like that. And what sort of relationships are you able to build with these guys on the floor? Do any of them come to you and ask to say things a certain way or anything like that? There's been some good stories over the over the years for sure that, um, you know, the one thing to think about is when these players are going, you know, they're in, you know, 30 different arena or 29 different arenas. Um, everybody there kind of on press row you know, we all kind of look the same. We all have a headset on. We all have a microphone in front of our face. Like, you know, but like as they as they get used to seeing us time and time again, especially the home, home, you know, our, our Kings guys certainly develop, a, you know, a familiarity. And sometimes even, a, you know, Jason Thompson and I would have when he played for the Kings, he had a this special little thing that he and I would always do, a handshake kind of thing that he was very superstitious. Other players do that, um, you know, from, from time to time. So it's just kind of fun to, to see that. And they know, you know, they know that I'm a small part of the show and, and get to, um, gets, you know, I'm the one that gets to yell their, their name out. Every once in a while I'll get a funny comment about, um, hey, call me this or, hey, say this or um, something like that. But, um, you know, the my favorite one was McGrady, Tracy McGrady when he played. He, uh, he came to the table at uh, at halftime, after halftime, third third quarter was just about to start, and he walked down and he was u- doing the shoe stick I'm right in front of me, which is where that usually sit, sits, and he he's like looking. I can tell he's like surveying all the people that I'm, you know, all the people that are sitting yeah. around me, me and all the people around, and he he's looking and he's like, hey, who's the mic man? And everybody kind of looks at him. He's like, who who's the mic man? Who's the who's the who's the guy on the mic? And Kim Tierney, who's a, a guy next to me, he's the official scorekeeper. He kind of points at me. He's all, he is. And so Tracy McGrady looks at me, and he's like, hey, call me T-Mac. And I'm like, <laughs> what? He's like, this, this half, just call me T-Mac the whole time. I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. He's like, really? You're going to shut down T-Mac? And I'm like, yeah, I'm shutting down T-Mac. I'm sorry. So, and then he laughed, and he walked <laughs> Uh That was one of my, that was for sure one of my favorite. Just so random and just funny. Yeah. And, I guess I had that moment of like, wait, you're real, you're listening to this stuff? Like, why are you listening to what I'm babbling on about? But I guess sometimes they do. Yeah, I guess so. So where did this, uh, I can't seem to track the origin, where did this Yogi Ferrell thing start? Yogi started um, at the, first of all, I was a big fan. I've loved Yogi for a long time. I love, like, watched him when he played for Dallas. Like, I loved, you know, I just, part of it is the kind of the Isaiah Thomas fan in me. Um, comes out, you know, I love that story. I mm-hmm. love the, I love everything about it. And so, um, when, you know, Yogi comes to the Kings, I'm, I'm super stoked. His name is Yogi. Like that's just <laughs> on in and out, right? Like a, yeah, like a, a guy who yells names for a living, you like names, like that's your thing. So like guy shows up and his name is Yogi, you're going to do something with it, but I didn't know what. And so I just felt like, Hey, let's give it a try. He makes it, you know, he obviously during the beginning part of the season, I think he had a game where he made a, a couple baskets, and I just said his first name, kind of in big fanfareish, you know, Yogi style. And and nobody knew, including me, what 
to do next? Like, if there was anything to do next, am I the same guy I referenced earlier, my audio engineer that I can talk to um, during the game? So he and I have a direct uh, line of communication. He's like, he was kind of questioning. He's like, what, what are you doing? What is that? And I'm like, I don't, I don't know exactly. And I'm always a dumb. And he's like, no, keep doing it. Like, people will figure it out. And so, like, over the course of months, literally months of the season, I, I, people were still confused. Like, nobody knew if they were supposed to yell. Yogi also yell feral in some way, yell bear. I mean, who knows? Who knows what they, what they were thought? Like, nobody, everybody was so confused and had no idea. And, and Dan continued to say, like, just keep doing it, man. Keep doing it. It's great. It's funny. Like, just keep doing it. Well, then he had that game where I want to say he went seven for seven. And it was, like, I mean, the place, every single time I would say it, it would just get louder and louder and louder and louder and louder. And finally, it was like from there, it caught on. Um, I asked him at the very beginning of the season if it was okay, if he minded that I did it. I remember um, I, I remember asking him that. I usually like to do that. If I do something kind of kitschy or weird like that, uh, we, had a, we had Marco Bellinelli a couple of years ago, and I did kind of the same. I just yelled Marco, and everybody yelled Polo, actually, which is pretty funny. <laughs> Um, but, um, I, I like to ask them just because if they don't like it or they think it's stupid, like, I don't want, I don't want, I don't want them to feel that way. So, but he was cool with it. He was like, yeah, no, it's cool. Like, whatever. And he's a great guy. I mean, he's a great community guy. He's a great pro. Um, love, I've really, really grown an appreciation for him. And it's obviously super fun when he scores. Yeah, definitely. I'm sure the whole the whole stadium agrees there as well. And do you have examples of situations of you trying things and then just not getting the feedback that you wanted from the crowd? Uh, that's a good question. I mean, uh, have I done? I mean, we've delivered like skits and you know little things that we thought were funny, you know, during timeouts and contests and stuff like that. But I don't know if I've tried. I don't know if I've tried like a player related thing that I've abandoned because it was because it was dumb. I mean, I think yeah. I did. I had a Jimmer like with Jimmer I I did I did something with him. I can't remember exactly what I what I even would do. I think I whether it was just echo, I think I would echo the Jimmer um and people kind of thought that was dumb. I think I even thought it was dumb. So, um but I can't remember. I don't I don't know. I'll have to I'll keep track. I'll keep a tally of the things I do that are stupid, and I'm, I'll report back because it'll be plenty. There'll be plenty of them. Well, you got to try some things, right? Like the yoga. Yeah. Like you said, people don't catch on at first, and eventually it becomes something great. Yeah. That's exactly right. There you go. And uh, I, I want to try to pull. Do you have another one of these player interaction stories? You said you had a couple. Is there another that sticks out? Um, I mean, you know, one thing I miss that, you know, just kind of stands out, especially – and watching The Last Dance, right, the, the Jordan doc, um, mm-hmm. I, miss, I miss hearing the talk. Guys don't talk as much mess on the court as they used to. They really don't. I mean, guy, I mean, I can remember, you know, Carl Malone, Garnett. Garnett just talked. Ironically, Garnett talked to himself, like <laughs> talked crap to himself more than he talked crap to anybody else. But, like, Peyton, I mean, Gary Peyton never stopped talking the entire game. Like, never. He would always be, you know, John at someone. Didn't matter who. Fans, play, guys guarding, guys not guarding, coaches, assistant coaches, trainers, refs. He didn't, it didn't matter. Like, he was going to 
bark at you and jaw at you and like and he was so good like he could back it he could obviously back it up but um you know those some of those things i i miss a lot you know i i do miss there was a time when uh when a bunch of us played played uh slow we got a king slow pitch softball league together that actually ron artest or whatever he wants to be known as now metal world piece um he actually funded the team uh got us all jerseys and like he like wanted it to be a fun big uh deal which it really was Brad Miller played first base. Randy Brown, who was an assistant coach with us, uh, pitched. Bobby Jackson played short. I played third. It was a really fun. Uh, it was a really fun team, mainly because like those, those guys are so competitive. If there's one thing that the Jordan Doc also reminded me is just how insanely competitive each and every guy in the NBA is. They don't like losing at anything. And so even if they're not a great, they weren't a great, a great softball or baseball player, they wanted to win and would do everything they could to win. And so that was a really fun time having just, you know, a, a night out, a Thursday night on a softball diamond in the middle of Sacramento uh, in a hot summer uh, right. with Brad, Brad Miller and Ron Artest and Randy Brown and Bobby Jackson. It was awesome. Oh, yeah, especially, yeah, like you're saying, getting those guys' competitive juices flowing. I'm sure I'm sure that was a, quite a game going on there. And you speak to it a little bit. You kind of briefly mentioned it. What was it like for you transitioning from the Arco Sleep Train over to Golden One? Do you kind of – is there a new acoustics you have to get used to, or what was that transition like for you? I mean, that was, that was going, you know, going from the – outhouse to the palace man i mean that i love that place i grew up in that grew up in sleep train going to it you know going to the games as a kid going to arco one before that but i mean they have obviously no comparison i mean you step into the new beautiful golden one center that so many people put so much into building um still so many people put so much into maintaining uh it was just a whole nother ball game i mean we just had so many more fun bells and whistles and toys and things to to play with it did take a little bit of time but um, not, not, nothing too terrible. I mean, you know, the, the thoughtfulness that went into to getting everything right the first time, knowing that this was a building that had to last and would, will last for 30, 60 years. I mean, it, it, uh, they, you know, they really took the time to do things right. And there were really smart people that were making decisions about what was going to go where and the types of technology we use, sound equipment, all that stuff. So, um, I, I miss, I miss the old barn. It got really loud. I miss how loud it was a different kind of loud. The loud in golden one center is cool because it's just because there's so many people in the lower level. There's so many more people hmm. in the, in the lower level than there are in the upper. I think at the old, you know, at sleep train, I don't, I forget this now, but you know, it's pretty equal. The number of people in the lower level versus the upper level at, at sleep train arena. Now, I mean, there's just there's three quarters of the people in in the lower level and suites as there are in the upper. So it just it feels a lot louder, closer to you. Uh, at least that's my perspective from sitting courtside. But you know, once the Kings make the playoffs, it, it doesn't matter. Just the decibels get turned up, and and uh, and the loudness comes back in ways that I know it's it's pent up for a lot of people. They're ready to get back in, into the playoffs. Yeah, definitely. The stadium gets crazy loud. I've never thought of uh, – I, I haven't noticed personally the amount of people on the lower level, but you saying it, I kind of see that in my head. Um, what is your connection with the uh, the soccer team coming in, the Sacramento Republic FC? Um, it, I see you listed as vice president. Is that accurate? It is, yeah. So I'm, a, you know, kind of day job-wise, I'm a 
I'm a philanthropy guy. I've spent most of my, my kind of day career, you know, announcing's always been kind of a, a night job for me, you know, whether it was announcing the Kings early on or Sac State or whatever else, that's always been kind of something, a hobby job that I would do at nighttime. I've always had a day job. I, I'm, um, most of my career has been spent in nonprofit. I have my master's in marriage and family therapy. I've worked a lot in social services and child abuse prevention and um, that kind of work, very, you know, social service kind of work. Um, and so got involved early on in, in philanthropy and have continued that forward, did that for a while for the Kings. And then just a couple what a little over a year ago, transitioned over to, uh, to the soccer team, to Republic, to head up all of their philanthropy, the foundation, um, and all the good work that we're doing in the community with the Republic. So, uh, it's fun, you know, got to trade one ball for another, but still get to do a lot of good work and still get to keep my, uh, keep my announcing job at nighttime because, you know, I obviously love that team too. And, um, so kind of get the best of, of both worlds, get to be in a, be in a bunch of different sports all at the same time. Yeah, definitely. And is there anything else, Scott, that you kind of want to get out there about yourself or, or the job that you do that people may not understand an aspect of? Is there anything else that you kind of want to get out there? Uh, I mean, you know, I just, I would say I, you know, in the times that we're in right now, you know, hopefully this is all, all short lived. I do, I, I'm certainly like many, many others are, are concerned about, um, what the future of live events um, holds. Uh, you know, I, I think that we would all be naive to think that they're going to look exactly the same as they did um, before. And so I just think that I'm excited for what really smart people are able to do and come up with to make fans feel safe while bringing them back to those places that we need so badly. We need, as a society, we need to be uh, singing at a concert together and we need to be rooting on our favorite team together and high-fiving people we don't know and and feeling safe while we do it and so i look forward to to the return of sports and to, of live events and i hope that you know I, I hope that everybody can be as patient as possible with whatever team that they're or whatever venue they're going to be visiting because i know it's going to be an adjustment um, for a bit, but um, I'm, I'm super excited for it, and I, I, I think everybody else, any sports fan, is as well. Well said. I, I couldn't agree more myself, and I can't thank you enough, Scott, for coming on and taking the time out of your day, man. Yeah, no, my pleasure. Good luck with everything, and thanks for uh, adding me to your to your list. Pretty esteemed list that I'm uh, very grateful and honored to be part of. So appreciate it. <laughs> Appreciate it, and thanks to everybody for listening to this episode of the King's Bulls Podcast. You'll hear from us again in the next couple of days.